Christmas is one of our favorite times of year around our house. My mom and dad instilled it in us, and we, Jan and I have kind of carried it on. And one of the things we do, uh, we've we tried to build some traditions into it. One of them we do on Christmas morning, the kids would sleep in the same room. I think Allie mentioned that a few weeks ago. Sleep in the same room Christmas Eve, Christmas morning. And I would go in with a video camera, done it for years, and ask the, the kids Actually, they were still there. I think three of them were there this last year, and they're, we got one of them 30 years old. But anyway, uh, <laughs> ask them, we would ask them, what do you hope's under the tree? Now, the danger to that is what? It's not under the tree, right? <laughs> That's the danger. <laughs> There's an expectation, and then all of a sudden, within that few minutes, it is not met. One of the toughest things in life, I think, is when we have an expectation. I'm not just talking about a short-term expectation, but I'm talking about a very deep, very, very relational expectation of someone or something, and they don't come through. Now, often that expectation could be one that's unrealistic, especially if it's human beings, obviously, because we are human beings. We're flawed. But we have this huge expectation. You, you, may, be, you may have gotten married and you had an expectation. It's not everything you thought. There's a lot of times we have these enormous expectations. Sometimes we have expectations of people, and we think they have failed us. And the reality, there's, they're actually going way beyond, and you just don't know it, and you didn't understand their purpose. Many times I think children look at their parents and go, I expected something and something different came. And matter of fact, that parent was actually standing in the gap for them. That parent was thinking wiser and longer term than short term now. But for that child in that moment, all of a sudden they're discouraged. They disapprove of the decision because they don't understand the scope of things. Matter of fact, sometimes they don't understand even the parent's purpose in their life initially. Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to spend just a few minutes here this morning. But I want to read this. I think it's a passage of Scripture that helps all of us. We can relate to it in some ways. You may not think about it when we read it, but I think you may as we go along. Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 11. When John was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to tell the crowd about John. Who did you, what did you come go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one whom it was written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those of women, 
that has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist, yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now, there's a lot to unpack there that we won't spend time on this morning. But what I think is interesting about this passage of Scripture, especially if you're doing your devotionals this week, you know this is today's passage. It kind of leads into this week to preach good news to the poor. But it's interesting that John the Baptist here, who, if we look at John the Baptist, I mean, I prepare for Christmas in a lot of different ways. You have your preparation for Christmas. One of mine is is trying to get my lights up as soon as I can right after Thanksgiving. And and I'm one of those guys that when I'm done with Thanksgiving, it's going that next morning. It's just going, except for the food. But but other than that, all the evidence of Thanksgiving is out of there because I'm going to try to get Christmas up as soon as I can. Prepare the way for Christmas. There's other things, parties, other things that we do. Hopefully we are are preparing ourselves spiritually for this coming of Jesus, the first coming and the second coming. The expectation. But John the Baptist is probably the the, uh, prototype of really preparing the way. He was the forerunner. He was out front preparing the way for the first coming. John knew. The word says that John, when, when the first time that Mary and Elizabeth are together, John leapt in his mother's womb. He knew who Jesus was. Jesus, he goes out and he, he knows when he's baptizing Jesus. He knows what the Father says from heaven. He's seen all this. He's telling people here, behold, the Lamb of God. He's doing all that, but all of a sudden he's what? Confused. He's confused. And I would say this, if I'm about, if you don't realize here, if you don't know, if, I, if it didn't, the scripture didn't explain it enough, John is about to lose his head for following Jesus. As Dr. Dan said last week, and, may, and Ali may have said also, they, They expected the Messiah to come. They'd been prophesying, but they was expecting a different result. And here John is in prison, about to lose his head for being that forerunner to being out front, okay? He is about to lose his head, and he just wants to be sure. Are you the one? Or should I look for another? Because my expectation is because of what I've poured into this, I'm just assuming you're going to come and get me out of prison. Has Jesus never lived up to your expectations? I think one of the hardest things... Once you become a believer in Christ, beside when you make that leap over, one of the hardest things we struggle with is, is that sometimes Jesus doesn't come through the way that he think, we think he should. And so John sends his disciples, right? He sends his disciples, hey, I just want to make sure, are you the one or should we look for another? And Jesus very calmly, I'm sure, responds back and says, you go tell John 
I don't mean in an arrogant way. Jesus, I don't think that's his way, even though sometimes he could be very straight to the point, would almost sting you the way he would say it. But he said, go tell John the lame walk, the blind see, the good news is being preached to the poor. Because we read in other places, and I won't take the time here, because, uh, but we've got the scripture. You can look in Luke chapter 4 when Jesus goes to, to, to Nazareth to speak for the first time after he had come out of the wilderness. After 40 days in the wilderness with, 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 the, with the devil tempting him, the word says he goes to Nazareth full of the Spirit, anointed, and speaks the words to the people from his hometown. And he unrolls the scroll, and he's, and he's basically, well, he is quoting Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. That's what was prophesied for the Messiah to come. That was his purpose. Along with John 3, 16, many of you, and 17, many of you would know. Uh, maybe you don't, but maybe most of you do. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That he did not send his son into the world to, to condemn it, but to what? Save it. Why did Jesus come? Jesus didn't, but what he's saying to John is, blessed is the one who does not stumble. Blessed, he tags all of his resume, and it's a pretty good resume. He taglines his resume with this. Blessed are the ones, is the one who does not stumble, who does not fall away, who, does, who is not offended by me. Taglines it. Does all this resume, John, remember? And what he's saying, John? You've misunderstood why I came. And what the term means there, offended, is this. Literally, the translation or stumble is this. Blessed is the one who does not look at the one in authority and question their authority because they do not come through or do not approve of what that one in authority is doing. Is Christ still Christ if he doesn't come through for you the way you think he should come through for you? Blessed is the one who does not fall away, who's not offended, who does not stumble based on the fact that they look at what Christ did and look at how God's plan is working and go, I don't approve of that. How many people do you know have fallen away for along the way because they've said, well, God would, if God was who he said he was, this would have never happened. See, when you see Jesus there for your safety, for your comfort, for your protection, for your success, for your future, for, and your view is that he is all about you. Do 
God making sure that everything is okay in my life. And God would never let that, you fill in that, happen to me. See, the one who understands the mission of Jesus understands that the same leader who would not avoid death on our account would not hesitate for a second to call you to the same circumstance. See, when you confuse why Jesus came and confuse it for your comfort and for your safety and for all that, you're going to have a rocky road trying to follow him. You won't, you won't go to the dangerous places. You won't go to the places that very well could take your life. Most of us don't get put there, but very well could. As we will talk in just a few minutes about refugees, they are, many of them are leaving their countries because people said, if you, can, if you don't deny him, you will die. We don't understand that here. We just get offended because I was wanting that car. I was wanting that house. I've been praying for that education. I was praying for that school. I was praying for this or that. And somehow another God didn't come through. We get offended by that. We stumble because of that. Because Jesus has not come through in the time or the framework of what I thought he should then we spread bad news and Jesus says I came to give good news I came for my people to be that conduit of the good news and for somehow or another my people are becoming the conduit of bad news Jesus says he's come to preach good news to the poor. Now, let me say this to you and be very clear. Because you're poor, it does not give you a, it does not punch your ticket to heaven. So do not confuse that. Just because you're poor doesn't mean in itself. Jesus says the poor will always be with you. Matthew 25. When did we see you, Jesus? Well, when did we minister to you? Well, when you you did it to the least of these, that's what you did it unto me, Jesus says in Matthew 25. That's already been quoted here. But Jesus also says in Matthew 5, 3, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Poverty is more than a financial status. Poverty is where we are spiritually and in our soul. 
And literally the word poor there doesn't just mean poor economically. It means a beggar who has to have assistance. That is what Jesus is saying in there to us in this way. That if we don't come to him knowing that we are in this, in this framework, beggars, we have to have him or we don't make it. We don't get it. If you made the whole gospel about me. What we'll end up doing, and what I'm afraid has happened in North America is, is that we'll end up even raising up churches and raising up young people who won't go to the dangerous places. We're just trying to raise them up to go to the safe places. The other day, I was driving through western Arkansas, as I've shared with you last week, there for a few days, and I was driving along, and, and, and I came around this curve in this beautiful country up and down these mountains around these curves, these pine trees, gorgeous, and I go by this, this uh, there's, a, there's a, a nice looking SUV, newer model SUV on the side of the road. And I realized there was a man standing out on the side of it. So I didn't know if their car was broke down. And then I kept driving. And about another hundred yards, I, seen, I saw this woman just walking as hard as she could away from the vehicle. Screaming. And so I kind of caught and turned around a little bit more. And you could tell they were screaming at each other. And she was crying. And probably they're in their 50s and at years old. And, and I, I was... I, I went about another couple hundred yards and thought, I need to go around back and step into that. I, I need to go back and share with it. It just crossed my mind going, I was listening to, to, to the worship music and, and I was just going, there's good, I want to go, there's good news. I just want you to know, I, I don't know what's going on in your marriage. I don't know what's happened. I don't know what, maybe there's things, somebody's done something really bad. I don't know. I just want to tell you there's good news. You know what I did? Talked myself out of it. Because I believed if I turned around and went back, especially in Arkansas, somebody could have a gun. <laughs> and go, sir, this is none of your business. Because I was afraid, and maybe wisdom, I'm not saying I was wrong and all that, but immediately fear stepped in of sharing the good news. I'm just confessing to you. And I don't know if I should or shouldn't. I'm not going to say that for sure. But I'm just saying in that moment, I had a chance to step into that vacuum possibly and share the good news. And fear was more predominant than the good news was. There's all kinds of ways to share good news. We're doing it through Camel View. I'm so thankful for that. Even though we got Good News Club now, the Lord has opened up the door for us to actually have a Christian Good News Club after school there. Now, we literally get to share the good news at Camel View. But also, we share good news through presents that we're, and, and things that we're purchasing. We're sharing. They're actually, we pray over them. And when you buy them, God anoints a present, a, a whatever that may be, for the good news. And the opportunity to share the good news. I mean, we have a ministry back here that the Lord has allowed us to be a, 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 in, in some ways disengaged, but in many ways, other ways engaged, is support a, a ministry called Madhouse that's been here for I don't know how long, a part of this community, but, but, but the Lord has allowed us to support them through facilities in multiple ways to share the good news. Wednesday night in this room, Create Academy, when one of our tougher areas here in town will be in this room with their school and their, their Christmas assembly. We it's, a, it's an avenue of sharing the good news. It can be done through a facility. It can be through, done through a present. 
Today, you're going to have an opportunity to give through, uh, through finances, through the refugees around the world. We are a part of, of the Nazarene Church and Nazarene Compassionate Ministry that are reaching out to refugees around this world. But specifically, what you'll see today is in Jordan, where the Syrian refugees are coming there. But we have re- refugees from all around the world now that the Church of Nazarene has been strategically planted. I can't believe that a hundred and something years ago when when the founders of the church of Nazarene started that they knew they'd be in places they are today. But the church has come along over all these years, these last 2,000 years, and stepped into vacuums. They've elevated women. They've elevated children. Did you know during the Roman Empire they would abort, they would leave children on the street to die where the churches were coming along and scooping them up? And take them in. The strategy was they didn't know it at the time. Though I'm about to get in trouble here. Time-wise, they didn't know it at the time. But because the Romans were aborting all the little girls, the church was scooping them up. Somewhere along the way, those Roman soldiers were going to need wives. Guess where they mostly were? In the church. Look at the hospitals, look at science, but the hospitals that are around the world and the compassion of, of, of churches, step, the church stepping into that. Education, I even think about in England in the, in the late 1700s starting Sunday school. We all think of Sunday school as, well, I'm going to go to Sunday school, I'm going to put the flannel graphs up and I'm going to do all that kind of stuff. No, Sunday school was where you actually taught the poor children who worked all week long and the only day they had off was Sunday, so the church stepped into the vacuum. For the poor. Oh, I think the first 123 universities in the United States, only one of them was not started by Christians. The first 123 universities in the United States of America, only one of them was not started by the church. Why? Because we believe that education raises, it brings people up. It allows them not to stay poor. The Reformation forced that to say every person should be able to read. And the only way they can read the Bible, instead of letting somebody else just tell them what they want to hear, they have to be able to read. The church, with all of its warts, and there are plenty. When it's working, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Next week, we'll talk about, and you'll get an opportunity to even walk out at the end of the day today for our veterans here in our community, one of our Advent projects that we'll be doing for that. And all it is is a simple thing. Like during our Advent season, you have a chance to buy presents, which is a thing that you can go out. And I know it's, it's, it takes a little bit of effort, but to go buy those presents, but go do it with your kids. Make it a family thing. We're going to need people to, to actually deliver them next Sunday. So we need your help on, I mean, next, excuse me, Saturday. We need your help on that. Today, you're going to be able to give just monetarily. I'll say just, but to give that way. Here, it will be practical. Toiletries, uh, cleaning supplies. Those are things you're going to be going out shopping for anyway. Just pick them up. Bring them back next Sunday and, and on Christmas Eve. But opportunities to give. But today, we are going to take an offering here in just a minute. But before we do that, one of the churches, the Nazarene, we have in Amman, Jordan. Jordan is a significant uh, 
place where refugees are flooding into, and the church of Nazarene is busy there. I want to show this video before we close this morning and around our offering.